Hello and welcome to the Anchor Book Club. We are currently reviewing The Pursuit of God by A.W. Toza. My name is Olaoloa and I'll be your host on today's episode. I'll be taking a few or dropping a few takes from my learning notes from chapter 3, Removing the Veil, Removing the Veil. I hope as always that this would bless you marvelously and that it would inspire you to desire a fellowship with God some more. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I'll take that again. Hebrews 10 19, Having therefore, brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of jesus god made us for himself there's no greater truth than this that god made us for himself the four and twenty elders confess and declare they say thou art worthy o lord to receive glory honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created he made us so that we as well as him can in divine communion enjoy the sweetness and mysterious mingling of kindred personalities he made us in his image and likeness and there's no truer reality than this we have to recognize that and worship him in his image and in his likeness While the omnipresence of God is made present to all, many have fled from his manifest presence. Like Adam did in the garden, after he sinned, he felt ashamed of himself and hid himself from God's manifest presence. God's omnipresence, his ability to be everywhere, his presence all over the place because he created the earth and is in everything and everywhere is made available to all but we were created in his likeness and for true fellowship to exist we have to engage the manifest presence of god the manifest presence of god is our rightful dwelling place the loss of which is the cause of our unceasing restlessness the whole work of redemption was to restore us to this place of the manifest presence that is basically what God wants from us. I'd like to read a few lines from the book itself on the manifest presence of God. The whole work of God in redemption is to undo the tragic effect of that foul revolt and to bring us back again into right and eternal fellowship with him. This requires that our sins be disposed of satisfactorily, that a full reconciliation be effected, and the way open for us to return into conscious communion with God and to live again in the presence as before. God's redemptive work grants us unrestricted access into the Holy of Holies. God's redemptive work grants us access 
unrestricted into the Holy of Holies that we might be able to have unadulterated fellowship with him directly. That is what God desires. That is what God desires. As a people, we tend to focus on the positional presence of God in relation to our right standing with him. Whereas this is not the end in itself. It is very true that we have been set right with him. It is very true that we are right standing with him. But that is not the end. A consciousness of his positional presence should drive us into a desire for his manifest presence. A consciousness of his positional presence should drive us into a desire for his manifest presence. In other words, my right standing gives me access to his full expression and that is where change occurs. It is not just for me to know that I am at right standing with God. My knowledge, my awareness of my right standing is to engage the presence of God on an intimate and personal level. That grants me access to him unadulterated. I would like to read again from the book a couple of lines. It says here that hearts that are fit to break with love for the Godhead are those who have been in the presence and have looked with open eye upon the majesty of deity. Men of the breaking hearts had equality about them not known to or understood by common men. They habitually spoke with spiritual authority. They had been in the presence of God and they reported what they saw there. They were prophets, not scribes, for the scribe tells us what he has read and the prophet tells us what he has seen. Nothing can take the place of a personal experience with God. All our reading, even our study in this series, is supposed to stir up a desire to want God more on a personal level. Our study of Christian literature, our exposure to messages and tapes, our study of the Word of God is supposed to drive us into a place of fellowship, a place of fellowship, koinonia, a, a, a mutual understanding, intimate exchange between like minds, between ourselves and God, and access into that image which He created us in, and access into our full potential, our real manner of existence which God wants us to experience on a daily basis. The transmission that was broken after the fall of man in the garden and the reason for which he set up the restoration work, he wants us to come back into that level of intimate fellowship with him. So I would like to ask the question, what really is your excuse? What has been hindering you from experiencing that quality time of fellowship with God? Let me read something once again from the book it says one should suppose that proper instruction in the doctrines of man's depravity and the necessity for justification through the righteousness of Christ alone will deliver us from the power of the self-sin.
Okay, I think I uh, picked the wrong um, except at that point in time. I would like to do the correct thing. Uh, please stay focused. Sorry about the breaking transmission there. So I'll go straight into it. It says, With the veil removed by the rending of Jesus' flesh, with nothing on God's side to prevent us from entering, why do we tarry without? Why do we consent to abide all our days just outside the Holy of Holies and never enter at all to look upon God? We hear the bridegroom say, Let me see thy countenance, let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is comely. We sense the call is for us, but still we fail to draw near, and the years pass and we grow old and tired in the outer court of the tabernacle. What doth hinder us? What is your excuse? You, what separates you from that time of intimate fellowship with God? You see, God has removed the veil hindering access. It is therefore left for us to remove our own veils. The veil that separated us from gaining access to God has been, has been torn. Jesus Christ did the redemptive work. But there yet remains a veil or some veils in our own hearts. The veil hindering reception. The veil of our fleshy and fallen nature and its desires. Those are the things that hinder us from getting to that level of intimate fellowship with God. We must all end, we must all kill and put an end to the self sins. The self sins, the hyphenated self sins, namely self righteousness, self pity, self confidence, self sufficiency, self admiration. Now, some of these self sins are even deemed to be requisites for popularity in Christianity these days. These are not the things that matter. Because once we keep on placing ourselves first, once we keep on seeing ourselves first, and we keep on getting distracted by this self-obsession, we are not able to receive the fullness of God. I'd like to read um, another excerpt from the book. It says, One should suppose that proper instruction in the doctrine of man's depravity and the necessity for justification through the righteousness of Christ alone would deliver us from the power of the self-sins. But it does not work out that way. Self can live unrebuked at the very altar. It can watch the bleeding victim die and not be in the least affected by what it sees. It can fight for the faith of the reformers and preach eloquently the creed of salvation by grace and gain strength by its efforts. To tell all the truth, it seems actually to feed upon orthodoxy and is more at home in a Bible conference than in a tavern. Our very state of longing after God may afford it an excellent condition under which to thrive and grow. Self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God. We have to open ourselves up to God. We have to open ourselves up to God. We have to grant him access to deliver us from ourselves from our selfishness sometimes what hinders us from gaining unrestricted access to god is our obsession with ourselves 
and our obsession with what we already know as far as God is concerned. We must yield ourselves to God so that He can do the rending for us. Even the veil that I, that the veils that are in our hearts need to be rendered by God. We need to open up ourselves to Him so that He can rend those veils and gain unadulterated access into our hearts. Finally, I would like to read from the book once more in closing. It says, Insist that the work be done in very truth and it will be done. The cross is rough and it is deadly, but it is effective. It does not keep its victims hanging there forever. There comes a moment when its work is finished and the suffering victim dies. After that is resurrection, glory and power. And the pain is forgotten for the joy that the veil is taking away. And we have entered into actual spiritual experience, the presence of the living God. God wants you. He's running after you. He wants you. He's running after you. His heart's desire is that you yearn for him just a little as close. If you can come just a little bit in your own strength and come towards him with a sincere heart, he's willing to fill it up. He's willing to fill it up. Uh, This chapter really blessed me on a personal level and I hope it does so to you too. I hope that we all come into a place of an awareness of God's desire for us. We are the ones who will benefit from this the most. Nothing beats the presence of God. I hope this has blessed you. I hope this has inspired you to want to thirst and yearn after God some more. Thank you for joining me on this. Enjoy the rest of your day.